We love the Atlanta 10 here at Locked On Women's Basketball. And Natalie Heverin, who covers it, as well as anybody in America, is here to talk about it. Locked On Women's Basketball starts now. You are Locked On Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Well, hi there and happy Thursday, everybody. <laughs> I'm Dahl, host and founder, editor of the next Women's Basketball Newsroom. Thank you for making Locked On Women's Basketball, our weekday podcast, your first listen of the day. We are free and available wherever podcasts are distributed. Subscribe to us. Then they just show up automatically. You don't have to think about it. And you can listen to what we have to say. Also, make sure you go to thenexthoops.com. Subscribe to the work that is being done there. It's so important. It's a women's basketball newsroom. We have over 100 reported pieces every single month. And Natalie Heverin, who's been, she's been a writer with me for... Is it four years now? Is that possible? I think just possible? over three. Just over three. In our fourth year together, <laughs> yeah. getting back to the high post. Hoop stays. Natalie, I'm so glad you're here because I just I have to stop and spotlight this off the top. The A10 work you do is spectacular, really important, and spotlighting an, uh, an undercovered Mm-hmm. Basketball conference, but you've done so much more great feature work across the WNBA, and you're at work, hard at work on a new and important project we're going to talk to uh, about later on in the program about the WBL, a another forgotten but important part of what we do here at the Next. But I want to start with the Atlantic Ten. The Atlanta 10, obviously, it's, you know, the A-10. It's got 10 teams, right? 10 teams? (laughs) Well, in 23 days will be what I've deemed, 22 days, I'm sorry, will be what I've deemed A-15 day, which is when Loyola Chicago will be joining uh, the A-10. So that's that's just how it's been in, in my calendar since Loyola Chicago announced they'd be joining back in November. So the A-10 is A-14, and now it's about to be A-15, but we're yes. still going to call it the A-10. Yep. Even though, do we know, what was the last time the Atlanta 10 had 10 teams in it? Uh, it's got to be... Like a long Maybe time. early, yeah, because uh, uh, Davidson joined, Mason joined, VCU joined, all kind of in a row. I think three years in a row they joined, uh, 2012 through 2014. But that would have still been 11. And just a hat tip to you, by the way, like no one could tell from your coverage that you went to Mason, that it's like uh, (laughs) you don't you don't play favorites among any of the 27 teams in the Atlanta 10. It's just a very impressive thing. But I want to talk, you know, and and this dates back to some work you did back when Loyola joined and again, Mm -hmm. specific to women's basketball, the significance of it. Loyola obviously has made a lot of headlines on the men's basketball side Mm -hmm. and with good reason over the past few years. But take me through what you think, A, Loyola will do for the Atlanta 10 on the women's basketball side, and B, what women's basketball and the A-10 will do for the Loyola uh, women's basketball program. 
So this is no knock on the Missouri Valley Conference, which is where Loyola uh, Chicago is coming from. But I think it will put them on more of a national stage. Uh, this is something that um, before Allison Guth took over, uh, Kate Actor talked about, um, as well as the athletic director, Steve Watson, was just, instead of just traveling around the Midwest, I mean, there will still be trips to St. Louis and Dayton, but traveling to the East Coast, New York City, DC, um, I think the national footprint is going to be really important. And I think that Loyola Chicago, especially with Allison Guth, who was hired back in April, is going to bring um, just another competitive team to the A-10. Um, all of the success that she's had at Yale, bringing that with her. But in general, Loyola Chicago is also a very high academic institution, and that's something the that A-10 really prides itself on. And clearly produces high academic people like yourself. <laughs> yes. Um, but but let but let's talk about Allison Guth. You, you know you and I hesitate to say that you stole her from the Jen Hatfield beat, but I think that's fair to say, right? Yes. You know, to take her from Yale, where she was a quote machine for Jen. Now she gets to be a quote machine for you. But your first impressions there, in terms of that hire, you, you know, I, I know the AD talked about that she had an it factor. You, mm -hmm. you know, what what was it that made Allison? such a great fit for Loyola as they're, you know, clearly making this big jump in terms of basketball specifically. I think it was what she was able to do at Yale uh, in just a few years, taking them to the top of the Ivy league. Um, and then also her experience at a high level academic institution. Um, that was something that was uh, important. Uh, Steve Watson noted it. Um, and then, also, just from the second you talk to her, she's so excited and gung-ho about everything involved. Um, I think her, when I asked her what she was excited, most excited about, about joining the A-10, she was like, everything's exciting. What isn't there to be excited about? Um, and just the enthusiasm she was oozing. Uh, I spoke to her the day after her uh, initial press conference, and she was still oozing enthusiasm after what I assumed to be a jam-packed schedule she was scheduled to fly back to connecticut because you know you have to move everything and then she was also thrilled to talk about other important things like new haven for chicago style pizza i i want to get to the pizza thing in a sec i do just want to point out and, and listeners should just understand this you know natalie didn't just go observe the presser she went and got a one-on-one -on -one the following day with the new head coach to be able to go further in depth and I, I just, you know, I think it's praiseworthy and just reflects what we do over at the next and why I think it's so important that and your subscription funds all go to our editors, our writers, our photographers. Uh, but Natalie consistently goes above and beyond. And you'll, you'll see that in the other conversations we talk about as well. And the issue of pizza, and it's, it's not an insignificant one, but to go from New Haven to Chicago, you know, these are two, uh, I guess the word would be flashpoints when it comes mm -hmm. to the way we think of pizza in this country. How did she handle that? And what do you think that tells us about her ability to tackle difficult subjects with the media? Well, I mean, I thought she handled it very well. Uh, she had an interesting take that the deep dish Chicago style um, went uh, really prepared her for eating the thinner style in New Haven. 
Um, but she also went uh, kind of outside the norm in what most people would consider in uh, New Haven style pizza, uh, either mm -hmm. Frank Pepe's or Sally's. Uh, sure. She did offer um, another option. Um, you elaborate? I, I, you're a Sally's yes. person, right? No, Frank Pepe's. Oh, you are interesting. Okay, yeah, I, I, I'm. I have yet to try Sally's. Actually, I hesitate to admit, but Frank Pepe is. I, I, you know, if I ever get convicted of murder and I get that last <laughs> meal, it might be the clam pie from Frank Pepe's. But what was her option? Uh, she offered. I am just going back to find it. Uh, her Chicago uh, suggestion was Lou Malnati's pizza, but okay. her kind of out there suggestion uh, was Zanelli's uh, down in mm. New Haven, uh, mm -hmm. which I hadn't heard of. Um, so I might have to check that out next time I'm in Connecticut. But I think just her being willing to kind of go outside the norm. Um, one thing she talked about at Yale was because of the, she couldn't exactly recruit to a, per, uh, a style offense or defense because it's, it's hard when you have to meet those academic criteria. So she no ran uh, a couple of different offensive and defensive styles. So she was, she's really versatile coming into Loyola Chicago um, and she can pick and choose what she wants to do while she's there. No, it's a challenge. I, I, I went to Bard College. I'm a proud Bard alum and uh, the Ivy, which is, you know, basically I think considered a step down from Bard, but still, you know, academically very sound. Uh, I would imagine presents similar issues to uh, what Bard does, the gold standard, of course, for all academic and athletics. So I want to get into, if we could, uh, some other A10 stories. Candace Dupree as well. You had the chance to catch up with her and where she is now. But first, I want to talk to you about Rock Auto. Uh, with the ever-increasing number of makes and models of cars, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. So, you know, you're standing there, you're talking to the uh, to the guy at the desk, and you're saying, you know, geez, do you have this part? He's just looking online. He's just looking to order it. Well, why don't you cut out the middleman? Go to rockauto.com, and then suddenly you're able to save a ton of money on the parts that your specific car needs. It's a family business, serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, and it has reliably low prices on anything you can need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, or even new carpeting. So go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available, right? Locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know how you heard about us. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. So Allison's here at Loyola of Chicago, but we also saw Tamika Williams Jeter coming to Dayton. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a very interesting hire for me because Dayton has been, in a lot of ways, the gold standard of this conference on the women's basketball side for quite some time here. Take me through, if you could, and, and you wrote a terrific story. Again, go check out Natalie's archive over at thenetstoops.com. You're just going to see gold for hours, right? But what was that like, that hiring process? And what do you think it tells us about where Dayton is as a program? Well, the hiring process was quick. Um, I think within three or four days of them talking to Tamika, they, they had hired her. And I think from 
between Shauna Green announcing that she was leaving for Illinois and Tamika's introductory press conference was a week. Yeah, it was it was like that. It, it was, was fast. really fast. Um, I mean, you, like Rutgers was like a month and a half, and Dayton yeah. it was still a week. You know, yeah. Yeah, I think um, St. Louis was closer to three and a half, four weeks, but mm -hmm. with Loyola Chicago and Dayton being so quick, I was like, you know, what what are you all waiting for? But I think. Dayton was really confident in Tamika's ability, not only as a coach, which some people thought it was a little out there having just one year of head coaching experience at a D3 school, Wittenberg. Um, but they were impressed with her, her experience playing at UConn, her experience um, playing professionally in the WNBA. Um, and then as an assistant coach, um, they were just, overall impressed with what she brought. I think it's definitely an interesting hire, um, but she's got a lot of work to do. I think for the first time in a long time, Dayton may not be atop of those A-10 standings. Um, mm. They had five players graduate, uh, five more in the transfer portal. Uh, so it's definitely going to be a rebuilding year for Dayton, which is something that the A-10 has not seen really. It's really interesting, and it opens the door for places like St. Louis. And and again, another hire, as you talked about, Rebecca Tillett, coming mm -hmm. to St. Louis from Longwood. I understand that part of it. We should talk about Rebecca, but I don't, I don't understand the dismissal of Lisa Stone, somebody who I've uh, had the opportunity to cover through the years, somebody who's been successful wherever she's gone. Uh, I'm, I'm, do you feel like you have clarity on sort of why that happened at this point in time? I really don't. Um, the athletic director, Chris May, talked about they wanted to move towards uh, winning uh, or going, winning the A10, uh, going to the uh, NCAA tournament. But you mm -hmm. look back at what the team was like uh, before. Lisa Stone got there and it it wasn't that successful. And yes, St. Louis did finish 11th out of 14th, but they had four season ending injuries. Um, mm -hmm. And then you include some, I, I know Kaija Harbison, who has since left, transferred to Vanderbilt, but she missed right. two or three games. Um, it was it was a tough season. So to see that being, it wasn't like she made losing a habit she was overall incredibly successful one of the few head coaches in st louis's history that finished with a winning record um, mm -hmm. so definitely an interesting move there but um rebecca tillett knows what her assignment is she knows that they need to win the a10 go to the ncaa tournament and she's excited about it uh after her four-year turnaround at um at Longwood, she's looking to maybe beat her own record and get to the NCAA tournament in three years uh, at St. Louis. It was such, and forgive me for getting too craft specific, but it was that was such a good get for you to mm -hmm. get that type of a benchmark setting, which is something yeah. I always try and do at initial press conferences. So we have a sense of, you know, what are your goals? And, and people generally keep them general. But yeah. for her to say, look, I want to get to the NCAA tournament in three years. Well, we're going to be able to judge it now. You know, mm -hmm. you and I are going to have this conversation in 2025, and it's either going to be talking about the great miracle at, uh, you know, at, at, in St. Louis, or alternatively, we're going to say, you know, 
all right, well, where's Lisa Stone now? And, you know, why didn't they make that decision? Uh, I, I do think, I, you know, I love their arena. I love St. Louis University. I've been there a mm -hmm. bunch of times. I've been there for women's basketball games. It's a great arena with a great atmosphere, and there's a lot of potential there. So I'm very eager to see how Rebecca Tillett does. Uh, but again, uh, I, people are too quick to get rid of Lisa Stone. I, I don't understand it remotely. I'm very, very curious to see where she ends up next. Uh, before I let you go, I do want to talk a little bit about Candace Dupree and what she's doing now. Before we get to that, though, I need to talk to you and to everyone about something really important, and that is Built Bar. Built Bar, it's central to what we do here in the Meadow household. Uh, we went to the pool yesterday. We all took Built Bars along. We had different flavors. Uh, we had uh, banana cream pie, uh, the puffs, of course. Uh, we had I, I mean, four different churros we had as well, and they helped get us through the day. We were looking to swim and be with one another uh, with energy, with protein. Uh, we wanted to be able to do that. We wanted uh, happy children, and they didn't have to choose between something sweet and delicious and something that was going to be good for them, that was going to keep them with energy the whole time, because four grams net protein most of them have 130 calories, 17 grams, excuse me, four grams net carbs, 17 grams of protein. They have something now called caramel brownie. I just ran out of brownie batter. I'm looking to replace it. I'm going to add caramel brownie. I'm very excited about it. And you can too. If you go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order, uh, you can make sure that you are fully up to date when it comes to Built Bar, right? That is fundamental to what we do in the Meddell household. And it's not just me, right? It's not just me. Natalie, when you go to Built.com and you place this order, who do you tell them sent you? Grandma Myrna. Yeah, that's right. So for those of you watching up on YouTube, it was Grandma Myrna's, Myrna's birthday. Here she is with a birthday cake, Built Bar. Tell them Grandma Myrna sent you. So when you look at Candace Dupree and you look at her career, I feel like it's underestimated. You know, I was looking at the 2014 Phoenix Mercury and as a team that is rightly celebrated as one of the great teams in WNBA history, they went 29 and five, best record we've ever seen. She actually led that team in minutes played. Not Brittany Griner, not Diana Taurasi. Candace was the one who led that team. You go for win shares all time. Everyone in the entire history of the WNBA. She's 22nd. 22nd. She's got more win shares in her career than Simone Augustus, than Vicki Johnson. That's the type of career she had. She's not playing this year. What is she doing now? She is participating in the NBA assistant coaches program. Mm -hmm. um, and I think one of the best parts of the story, and it ended up being my lead, was she didn't really see herself as a coach. Um, when After she became a mom to her four-year-old twins, she realized she might actually have the patience for coaching. 
Um, so she had her interest peaked and then uh, the opportunity arose for her to join the NBA assistant coaches program. Uh, and that's what she's been doing for the last couple of months. Having young children will definitely teach you what you are prepared to have patience about and not, right? So I, I think that's really interesting. The coaches program, I mean, it just feels like this is, and we talk, as you know, all the time at the NACS about infrastructure. This is the type of infrastructure that allows for coaches to get prepared. How significant was that in what you saw being built? And how far along is it when you think about what it is looking to accomplish? I think it's been established for quite some time, but I think there's really a push uh, going on to create more of a pipeline to get those opportunities also in the hands of WNBA players, women's basketball players. Um, mm -hmm. Candace is in the class with somebody that she played with uh, her, fresh, or her first year in the league. Um, so I think the NBA is really pushing to continue to have uh, more women in this program. Uh, and I think that it's been great so far for her. She's gotten, she actually was thrown right into the fire with the Portsmouth Invitational Tournament. Um, mm -hmm. And Candace noted that uh, they actually, the, the players listened to her maybe even a little bit more than the other um, coaches because she was younger. She just finished playing with people their age. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that's something else that she can kind of use in the beginning of her coaching career is getting that jump start, having that relatability with players. It's really interesting to see. And again, I, I urge you to go to the nexthoops.com and check it out. One thing you can't see yet, but we're just going to tease it for you guys. We'll have a lot more to say on this and you'll be able to hear and benefit from this as well on the Lockdown Women's Basketball podcast side of it. But Natalie, you are hard at work as part of a group uh, writing stories about the WBL without giving anything away. Just what has it meant to you to be able to dive into these Title IX pioneering stories just over these last few weeks? It's, it's meant the world to me. I mean, my mom is maybe five to eight years younger than a lot of these women. And it's given me an opportunity to ask my mom more about her experiences with Title IX. Um, she was on her school's first field hockey team um, early on in the, her, her high school's basketball team. And then I went to that same high school. So I, I saw my mom's name on that field hockey championship trophy. So it's really just given me an opportunity to know what to ask her, but to, I'm really honored just to be not only speaking to these women, but tasked with sharing their stories with everyone. Uh, it's really meant the world to me. It's just hustle from you from start to finish. I still <laughs> not forget your first story about playing in the pep band and then running to do post game <laughs> with an undergraduate uh, of, back at Mason. Natalie Heffern, it is always a pleasure to speak with you. And thank you for sharing your thoughts with our listeners today. Thursday. <laughs> yeah, thank you for ha having me. And uh, I'm excited to come back, talk about more projects that I'm working on from the A-10 to uh, whatever else is thrown at me along the way many times to come. Looking forward to it. And listeners, thank you for making us your first listen. Uh, now, I would urge all of you 
to check out Locked On NBA Big Board. The National Basketball Association, for those of you who may not know, is the uh, little brother league to uh, the WNBA. Where um, and and again, this is great. This is great. It's not just women. We're we're giving men a chance to play basketball as well. Host Raphael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies and author of NBA Big Board Newsletter is joined by Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, and Leif Thunen, giving fans an in-depth look into the NBA draft. It's very weird for me to say that. I always want to say WNBA, but no, NBA is a thing too. They have mock draft, player rankings, and of course, big boards. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts, just like we are at Lockdown Women's Basketball. Make sure you're subscribing, and we will, of course, be back to you tomorrow. This time, tomorrow, it'll be Missy Hydrick. So definitely trading up there. Have a wonderful Thursday, everybody. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.